You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Blog Talk Radio. Hi everyone. Welcome back to the BT Powers podcast. It is Friday, September 18th. Uh, I'm sure everybody's excited. Uh, it's a Friday, although um, I'm sure some of you will listen to this delayed. But uh, hopefully we'll bring that Friday energy to you, uh, regardless of whether uh, you're listening today or tomorrow or next week. But um, we have a, a really interesting uh, show. Um, and, and just as a, a side note, uh, I'm Thomas Bendit, manager of BT Powerhouse. Um, talking to you here. But... Um, we're continuing our season preview series. Um, we were hoping to get Nebraska in earlier this week, but we had some scheduling issues, so that'll be probably next week or the week after. But um, we do have Northwestern today, who is a a team that looks like they're on the upswing and really could uh, factor into the whole Big Ten situation next year. Um, and that uh, surprisingly, that's not even a uh, an optimistic viewpoint. Uh, <laughs> that's a pretty uh, well-shared uh, um, perspective. But um, to help talk with us, uh, we have Jason. Uh, Jason, how you doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah. We're excited to have you on. Uh, why don't you take a second? I know you've been on our podcast before, but just to introduce yourself real quick. It's been a while. It has. I think I did the preview last year <laughs> as well. But yeah, I'm Jason Doro. I um, used to write for BT Powerhouse a couple of years ago. I think it's been now. Uh, shifted over to Inside NU, and I actually haven't written something for them for a while. I'm now the co-director at the sports department for Northwestern Student Radio Station. So that's taking up a lot of my time, but also with SB Nation's uh, Northwestern blog, Inside NU. Yeah, yeah. So I'm uh, I'm hoping that you, you're ready and excited for Northwestern basketball this year. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm always ready for basketball season. I've been in the gym this last week putting some shots up because I want basketball to get around. <laughs> Football is great and all, but you know, I think uh, people are excited on campus for what this basketball team could do this year. Yeah, and and before we we start breaking down stuff here, uh, what what kind of is the general perspective and the vibe about Northwestern coming into this year? The vibe is never all that high because it is, after all, Northwestern basketball. They've never been to the NCAA tournament. But what, with what Chris Collins has done these last couple of years, especially in recruiting, I think the hype is about as high as it's going to get. I don't think people expect them to make the NCAA tournament. Maybe there's a small few that think they have a chance at that. I think they'll probably end up being a little bit short. But if you throw 18, 19, even 20 wins as a possibility, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, I, I think it's a, uh, you know, I, I think it's safe to say Northwestern's probably not in that top segment of the Big Ten regardless of what happens this year. But um, uh, for the, you know, the middle to the lower end, so to speak, um, they're an interesting one because they might be the most proven team of that bottom portion of the Big Ten. Uh, is that something you'd agree with? Or Yeah, the crazy part is this team essentially lo- loses nothing or so little from the class that just graduated. Dave Sobolewski put in minimal time last year in his senior season. Jershon Cobb was banged up. This is a guy who just couldn't avoid injury after he showed so much potential in his first couple of years. So Cobb was on and off throughout the conference slate. Now they bring back just about everybody else, Alex Ola, Trey Dumps, Brian McIntosh, who was excellent his freshman year, and they bring in a good recruiting class. Aaron Falzon uh, shows that he can shoot the basketball. This dude is lights out, and he's a stretch four, six foot eight, two hundred. They are putting him on the floor for over 20 minutes a game when they were playing out in Spain just a couple weeks ago, and they got a graduate transfer in Joey Van Zegeren to spell Alex Ola, because you know Ola's not going to run up and down the court for 40 minutes. So there's potential there, and there's a lot of experience coming back. Yeah, I um, yeah, and, and that's the interesting thing because you know we uh, I was doing Rutgers and Penn State previews, and then last weeks, and you know those teams uh, 
they have they have potential, but it's really about you know well if this recruit comes in and you know can be all right or if this guy can step up. Whereas Northwestern, you kind of feel like you have the good base uh, coming in this year. Um, and and to jump off that a little bit, uh, talking a little bit about last year before we get here, um, I I at least from the outside perspective, it seems like it was kind of a mixed year. Uh, what what was the Northwestern perspective on last season? It was up and down. I think from the start, people knew they weren't going to be that great because you had seven new players, literally seven new guys on the roster last year, and five of them were scholarship freshmen. At the start of the year, they played Brown close. They barely beat North Florida and Elon at home. Then they lost to, like, Northern Iowa, Georgia Tech, Butler, and the non-con. So expectations weren't all that high. They went on a huge losing streak in the Big Ten. But, again, they picked it up. They nearly beat Maryland on the road. They almost beat Ohio State at home. Those were both one-possession games. Then they went on a little winning streak, beating Iowa, Minnesota, Indiana. And the hype built there. It definitely was pretty high when Indiana came to town uh, in late February. Again, they beat Michigan late in the season. People weren't expecting uh, them to make the NCAA tournament. But there was this feeling that they could make the postseason and maybe sneak into the NIT and I think that's definitely Chris Collins' goal here. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was a, uh, you know, it's always interesting because, you know, I think in terms of, uh, you know, overall overall performance, it wasn't really a massive improvement. Um, I mean, I, I, I'm pretty confident they had the same Big Ten record as the year before. But, um, yeah. but, yeah, you know, but, yeah, I mean, you're getting younger. You're bringing in these uh, guys with a lot of potential. Uh, who are inexperienced, and the fact that you can sort of maintain with that, I think does say a lot about the direction of the program. It was a transition year by definition, essentially, because Mm -hmm. the record was almost the exact same as the year before. Like you mentioned in Big Ten, they went 6-12 and back-to-back years under Collins. I think this is the year where they have to take a step forward. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And um, with that, that's a perfect segue to jump into uh, (laughs) uh, this year's team. Um, So you talked a little bit about the general thoughts, a lot returning. Um, Why don't we start with the backcourt? Um, You mentioned uh, McIntosh, clearly one of the better freshmen in the Big Ten last year. Um, How do you see the backcourt shaking out this year? Well, McIntosh played, uh, it was over 30 minutes per game, 33 minutes per game as a freshman. So that dude is going to be a workhorse at point guard. He's going to be out there nonstop. And for good reason. He had 150 assists last year and averaged in double figures. I believe he was on the all Big Ten freshman team, either by the media or by the coaches, one of the two. So he's going to handle the rock at point guard. Jordan Ash, one of the freshmen uh, from the Chicago area will probably be his backup and play limited minutes, six to six to eight maybe minutes per game, something like what Dave Sopolowski did last year. Off ball, it's going to be Trey Demps. And uh, last year, Demps moved into a starting role after he really enjoyed playing six-man in his sophomore, junior seasons. Now they're probably going to move him into the starting lineup and keep him there because he's probably their best scoring option off ball. After that, you got Scotty Lindsay, who has shown a lot of potential shooting the rock, but he's still very thin. He's six foot six and not even 200 pounds. Um, so they're going to try and mix him in offensively. As far as the backcourt goes, the question is about the defense because McIntosh isn't great defensively. He's put on 10, 15 pounds in the offseason, but he's still not a great on-ball or off-ball defender. Same goes for Dempsey and Lindsay. They're probably a little bit better than McIntosh, but they're going to have to pick it up on the defensive end. Yeah, I, I agree. I, you know, I, I think, um, you know, Demps is obviously going to get a good hunk of minutes himself, but I think this group is really going to ride with McIntosh. You know, if he can continue to progress and continue to get better, um, this could be a pretty good unit. But, um, you know, he's going to play a lot of minutes, as you mentioned he did last year. Um, one guy I'm interested to see is uh, Jordan Ash coming in. Uh, what are your perspectives on him uh, factoring in in the backcourt? I haven't seen Ash play. Obviously, since he's coming out of high school, I haven't been on the recruiting trail per se. Um, <laughs> expectations aren't all that great for him because mm-hmm. Brian McIntosh is solidified in the starting point guard role. Ash is considered a combo guard, though. They could play him off ball, mm-hmm. too, but you have so many 
threes and two, so many wings that can come in with Vic Law, Scotty Lindsay, and so on, even Sanjay Lumpkin um, and Trey Demps. So there's not going to be very many minutes for Jordan Ash in his freshman year unless he really proves that he can contribute. I doubt he sees the floor that much. Yeah, I mean, I obviously, you know, with, with McIntosh taking 30-plus minutes and Demps, uh, I'd figure probably taking close to that as well. I mean, he played a ton last year. Um, yeah, Demps the was minute, at 32 and a half per game last year. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> – Obviously, you know, most of your minutes are off the board right there instantly. But um, I I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being that top guy on the bench uh, out of those two positions. I know, uh, you know, Lindsey, we'll see how he kind of comes along. Um, he was all right. I, I didn't think he was the the greatest. Clearly a bench guy last year. But, again, young player. So, you know, that's not necessarily a bad thing. But um, uh, I, I really like Ash. You know, I – Clearly, he's a you know three four star range type recruit, um, but uh, I, I think he could be a nice boost off the bench um, and kind of take uh, Sobolewski's role from last year. Yeah, the crazy part is had Ash arrived last season, or say Brian McIntosh wasn't here, he'd probably be the starting point guard right now and play twenty minutes or more a game. But because McIntosh is there, he's going to get little. I, I see him in that Dave mm-hmm. Sobolewski role. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but it, but again, you know, just just overall, I I think it will be a a solid group. Um, Demps, uh, I, I I think he was he was good. Um, he's kind of one of those, you know, he's coming back for senior year. You kind of expect, you know, he's just kind of kind. He kind of is what he is at this point, uh, which isn't bad. Um, but I I don't expect a ton of improvement there. Um, how are how are people? thinking about Macintosh taking the next step? Because at least for me, um, I, I don't see him as kind of having that, that ceiling as some of the other guys. Is that is that the perspective, or do people think he can get even better than he is now? An evolution of Brian Macintosh is definitely expected sooner rather than later. I think some of the other mm-hmm. freshmen, like Lon Lindsay, people think are going to take a couple more years to get better. Of course, Macintosh was much better than those two in his freshman season. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the progress he's made in the offseason, uh, Northwestern has highlights from the trip they made to Spain, and McIntosh is so much bigger than he was last year. He's gained 10, 15 pounds in muscle. That's going to be huge for him, especially defensively, because he couldn't body a lot of big 10-point mm-hmm. guards that were older, stronger than him. So I think that's going to help him, especially defensively, and then also shooting the rock, because he can shoot it pretty well, and he can drive decently, but a lot of times he settles for a floater instead of going strong to the rim. So if you can add that to his repertoire, it's really going to help him. Yeah, definitely. And especially considering, you know, he he didn't get to the line that often, considering, you know, how how much of the offense he was. But, I mean, killer when he got there. I think he shot like 85% or something. So, I mean, if if he can, you know, take that step forward and be physical and get those foul, uh, foul calls, I mean – he could really improve, which uh, I, I don't mm-hmm. think the Big Ten would be <laughs> would be looking forward to that too much, or at least the rest of the Big Ten, I should say. But um, but yeah, it, it looks like a good group. Um, again, at least my view, I think it's going to ride uh, with McIntosh. Um, if he if he takes that next step, it'll be a really good group. Um, if he's kind of what he is, it'll be a, a solid, a good group. But um, but moving down, um, you talked a couple about a couple of the wings already, but. Um, how do you, how do you see the wing shaking out this year? It's going to be interesting. I think if there's a position that's up in the air right now for Northwestern, it's probably that three spot because you have Vic Law and now you have Aaron Felzon or Felzon, I believe it is, and he's probably considered a four at least in high school and now a stretch four for Northwestern, but they probably could throw him at the three. And then you have Sanjay Lumpkin. So you have three guys there who are going to cycle in a lot between the three and four spots, and it's really hard to say how those minutes are going to shake out. If I had to guess right now, I think Vic Law is going to be at the starting three because, like McIntosh, he's put on some weight after he came in at, like, six, seven, and 180 pounds or something like that. And he's another guy that they want to get to the line, get him going to the rack, because that's where he's going to be best. He's so explosive. His jump shot improved at the end of the year. But they want to get him... Uh, better shots around the hoop. Aaron Falzon is the ex- is the exciting one because you put him in at the four and it's going to open up so much for this 
for this offense because he can stretch the floor, and he probably steps in as the best shooter on this team. I doubt they play him at the three that much. It'll probably mainly be Vic Law, a little bit of Scotty Lindsay, and a little bit of Sanjay Lumpkin because his defense, his intensity is great. They've named him the team captain. Still just a redshirt junior, one of the oldest guys on this team, and he's going to contribute in a bunch of ways defensively. Yeah, I um, it, it's definitely, I, at least for me, I think it's the most interesting positional group for Northwestern this year just because uh, the backcourt and the frontcourt, you know, we haven't got to the frontcourt yet, but um, <laughs> I think it's pretty predictable how those are going to shake out. Not necessarily how they're going to produce, but who's going to be playing, who's getting the mix. But, um, but, yeah, this wing position could potentially be very good for Northwestern, or it could just be kind of okay uh, how it was last year. And I think, um, you know, Lumpkin, uh, the most experienced, I'd say, of the three guys who look like they're going to factor in, um, he's a solid defender. I like him, uh, you know, in transition, but not he's not going to light up the offense, you know, as, as everyone knows, you know. Um, <laughs> By yeah, no he didn't, yeah, he he didn't get used that much. He's he's just kind of he's there to hold his own, get a shot here and there. But um, nice defensive boost. I I am curious uh to see how how many minutes he does get, especially as the younger guys have more time. But um, but yeah, Felzon is clearly uh you know any recruit coming in, whether they're hyped or not, is always a, a question mark to an extent. Um, and he's going to be one that, uh, you know, if he can, you know, shoot the rock from long range, that's going to be killer. Because uh, at least in my view, the biggest thing that Northwestern improved last year was the three-point shooting. I mean, they went from one of the, you know, the worst teams in the country shooting uh, from long range to not the best, but one of the better ones. And, I mean, if you had another sharpshooter there, that, uh, man, that makes your offense so dynamic. <laughs> Two years ago, this team was just buried at the bottom of the conference as far as three-point shooting. You're so right about it. I think they're around 31%. And last year, they yeah. nearly hit 36%. So you're mm-hmm. totally right in that regard. And Falzone, I think they're going to stick with the four. But again, he's really going to open up this offense because Sanjay Lumpkin, when he's in the game, his defender just sucks down into the paint and is able to protect yeah. the rim. They're not going to throw anyone on Lumpkin more than 15 feet away from the hoop. So you throw Aaron Falzone out there, you throw Vic Wild there, Scotty Lindsay, and the guy I haven't even mentioned, Nathan Taphorn. I doubt he gets that much run, but he's another guy who can shoot the three ball and can stretch the floor. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just uh, – and, and part of that is probably, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a little bit, but the upswing in recruiting. I mean, I, I think just having that improved offensive skill set just generally across the team is really showing in that uh, three-point shooting. And, you know, if you can add another guy who can really hit and make the wing uh, take them to that next step, uh, could really become dangerous. Um, and then to, just to talk about the last guy, uh, you know, Vic Law, um, I don't know if he had quite as good of a freshman season as some were hoping coming in. Um, I don't – he definitely wasn't the top-ranked recruit in the Big Ten, but he's one of the top ones. And um, But he did have a good a good freshman year, not, not the greatest, but a good one. And um, – Really solid rebounder, uh, athletic. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he can kind of improve in uh, taking more possessions, taking a bigger role in the offense. But between those three, uh, it seems like there's a lot of potential, at least to um, make it into a really good positional group. Uh, do, you, do you think this is the positional group that will kind of determine how the season goes for Northwestern? Uh, it, it's hard to say. I, again, I think it comes down mainly to McIntosh and Olaf because those are the two best players on this team, and they're going to need them to improve again this year for Northwestern to compete and potentially make the postseason, whether it be NIT or the NCAA tournament. But I don't think this group is really an issue for them. Somebody's going to be able to contribute night in and night out. Mm-hmm. You know Law will have his nights off. You know that Taphorn will. You know that Lumpkin will. And you know that the freshmen will. But somebody's going to be there, and this this position won't be a cancer to the team by any means. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, an interesting group, uh, definitely. And it'll be interesting to see how those the younger guys factor in. Um, and, and to move on, I guess, to the uh, 
the last group in the uh, our breakdown here, uh, the front court. Um, I think it's pretty clear how it's going to shake out, but how do you see it shaking out uh, for Northwestern next year? Well, I think the starters are going to be Falzone and Alex Olaf. Falzone at the four, Olaf at the five, obviously, when he's seven foot, 280 pounds. And Ola, he's played about 30 minutes per game his last couple of years. With how big he is, it's hard to expect him to do that much more. You want to see him make, make another step forward as far as rebounding. He had seven rebounds per game last year after averaging about five and a half the year before. With his size, he should probably be more up around eight, nine per game. How they're going to incorporate him in the offense will be interesting, too. Last year, they tried a lot of on-ball screens with Bryant McIntosh, and Big Ten opponents knew how to defend that so well. They were able to dominate against the non-con, some of their weaker opponents with that on-ball screen, but the pick-and-roll between McIntosh and Ola wasn't very effective against Big Ten opponents, so maybe they try and mix that up a little bit. As far as Falzone, I think I've harped on him enough. Uh, at the four, going to be able to stretch the floor, pull up his highlights. This guy can shoot the lights out for his size. Coming off the bench, I actually think Joey Van Zegeren is a huge difference maker because in the last couple of years, in fact, the entire time that Northwestern has had Alex Ola, they haven't had anyone to back him up like Joey Van Zegeren. He's six foot ten, 230 pounds, a transfer from Virginia Tech who averaged, I believe, like 7-7 seven and seven out there, which doesn't sound all that great but he's playing less than 20 minutes per game. And maybe that's because he's not the most talented guy, but it's also because he didn't have the greatest relationship with Buzz Williams. And that's why I ended up transferring out here to Northwestern. But the fact that they can throw him in there in place of Ola and actually be a force around the rim is going to be huge. Yeah, I think, um, and just to talk a little bit about uh, Van Zegra for a second, um, I just had it up. Uh, he averaged 9.8 points and 5.3 rebounds with Virginia Tech um, when he was there. And, uh, you know, I, another thing I think a lot of people forget, too, that Virginia Tech is not exactly a basketball uh, powerhouse right now. And no, he wasn't exactly, you know, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's not like, you know, he's playing with Kentucky's backcourt or something where he's just going to get wide open looks. So, I mean, um he could be a really nice uh, addition up front to, you know, minimize the pressure on Ola. Um, how, how how do you think he's different? Because, I mean, obviously Northwestern had an incoming transfer last year up front. Um, how do you think he's different than what they had last year off the bench? Well, last year they had Jeremiah Kreisberg, who was similar in size, probably 6'10", 220, 230, but he was really, <laughs> real softy in the post. He was not athletic. You pull up the highlight reel on Joey Van Zegger, and you're going to see him dunking on some fools out at Virginia Tech. <laughs> Jeremiah Kreisberg was not good defensively. He could not score around the hoop. He really didn't. He was just there as a body, just to be there, have someone else at center that's not named Alex Ola. Joey Van Zegger is a guy who can actually score around the hoop. He can finish with authority, and he's not going to stretch the floor. He can't shoot it but he can rebound and he can score around the hoop. And I think that's really all Northwestern needs behind Ola. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's also a decent shot blocker, too. Um, you know, not not elite by any means, but, um, you know, if, when you're talking about a bench guy behind arguably your team's best player, um, you know, that's a nice little boost to have. But um, speaking of the best player, um, yeah, Ola, he's an interesting guy just in the sense that um, – to my view, I think he gets undersold a lot when people are talking about the Big Ten um, big men. Is that something you agree with? Definitely. I think his goal has always been to be uh, all-conference first team, I believe, and that's what something harps on when you talk to him, and I don't think that's a possibility for him really this year with uh, Diamond Stone and some of the other big guys around the Big Ten. But for him to be a third or second team Big Ten is definitely within reason. And he's he used to be able to shoot it better. Now he's down to about he shot 24% from three last year. But he's a good free throw shooter, and he's really improved defensively and on the boards because, like I said, last year, seven rebounds per game. He's always been a great shot blocker. He had 60 blocks last year. And he's become a much better force around the hoop and in the paint defensively. Go back two, three years when he was with Northwestern after coming here from Romania, you could tell that his game was very unpolished. He wasn't really ready for the college game. Now I think he's finally come into his own. He's ready to play with his Northwestern team. 
and you can really see the heart, the drive in him. They want to make the NCAA tournament, and they want to do it here with the senior class of Olaf Depths. Yeah, I think, um, you know, and, and as you were talking about, you know, he probably won't be able to crack that, you know, the top group with, you know, A.J. Hammonds and Diamond Stone and those guys. But, um, but yeah, mm-hmm. he's a really he's a really good center. And, you know, he was – I think because he plays for Northwestern, a lot of people overlook him. But, um, you know, when you would watch him, I mean, he was one of the best last year. He was a, a, a force on the boards. And, and he has consistently improved his efficiency. You know, he's taking better shots. Uh, he's getting to the line. He's converting when he gets there. And, and I mean, he even did some stuff like improve his passing game, which, you know, when you're talking about a front court guy, that, that helps a lot. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, at least my view, he, he's the team's top guy this year. And I think, um, uh, you know, I talked about the backcourt, you know, kind of riding with McIntosh. I, I think overall this team, is they're going to have to rely on him. They're going to have to uh, really focus around Ola and hope that he can uh, be the difference maker in some of those difficult games. Uh, is that something to agree with, or am I just overstating sure. his uh, I, importance? <laughs> I think this team kind of lives and dies with Ola and McIntosh. As far as they go, is as far as Northwestern will go this season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I guess to move to we've, – we've talked about, I believe, them all, um, but – there's a few newcomers coming in this year. Uh, I believe three new recruits and one transfer. Um, I think we've talked about them, but uh, do you want to run through them real quick? Uh, introduce them, I guess, to our to our podcast listeners here. Yeah, I'll hit all the names that I haven't mentioned at this point, and all the freshmen. So Derek Parton is one of the few that I haven't hit. He's a power forward slash center. He's actually listed as a straight center on the Northwestern website, but he's only six foot eight. 230 pounds. If you look him up, he's a really lanky guy. He's got super long arms. This is a guy It's going to be a shot blocker, but he's really raw at this point. Three-star recruit, I believe. Not going to see the floor very much this year. Going to be buried behind Falzone and Skelly at the four, and Sanjay Lumpkin, too. So don't expect to see Derek Parton very much this year. Going down the list, Jordan Ashby talked about backup point guard, combo guard he could play off the ball as well, but Northwestern needs a backup point guard. This is if Brian McIntosh is handling the rock, it's either going to be him or Trey Dems. Nathan Taphorn, I spoke about briefly. He's actually a junior, um, but, again, not all that athletic. He's improved in the last couple of years, put on a lot of weight. That's been one of the things that, since Chris Collins got here, this team has focused on a lot, is getting stronger so they can play better defensively. Uh, Aaron Falzon, also the newcomer, six foot eight, 200 pounds, stretch four can absolutely shoot the basketball, like lit up teams for 30 points last year when he made eight or nine three-pointers. That was in high school, of course, but a lot of potential there. And he was playing 20-plus minutes when they were out in Spain. So I think he's going to step right in and be the starter at the four. Finally, Gavin Skelly, he was a freshman last year, sophomore this year. Another guy who only played like 10, 15 games, and when he did play, he was playing five to ten minutes tops. Uh, good guy to throw in as a body behind Falzone and behind Sanjay Lumpkin because he's very strong. He's got a lot of energy, and he's good defensively. So just another guy that Chris Collins can work in when he's worried about that defense and thinks of this team maybe needs a kickstart. Yeah, I think um, in terms of the bench, the bench is interesting um, just in the sense, you know, you talked about a few of them. A lot of them are young. You know, they're not they're not freshmen uh, this year, um, but they're still like sophomores or, um, you know, starting to see some real time or hoping to see some time, um, which is which is interesting compared to the last couple of years where some of the bench guys have been, you know, more older and more experienced. Um, so. Obviously, you hope that some of those guys can develop and contribute later on. But um, in terms of the newcomers, um, Jordan Nash uh, is a guy who I like. I think he's going to be a nice boost off the bench. Um, I definitely, obviously, don't see him pushing McIntosh, you know, to start or anything. But um, mm-hmm. I think he's going to be a nice boost off the bench. And then uh, Falzon is clear, is clearly the guy who, uh, you know, is going to see the most minutes out of the, the newcoming bunch. Um but yeah, I, I think we hit the newcomers uh, pretty well either now or <laughs> earlier in the podcast. But, um, but yeah, why don't yeah, we jump I think the, to? Um, I think the main thing to know. Uh, sorry about that. I think the main thing oh, to no know problem. about the youth movement here 
is that you have a lot of athletic ability and you have guys that are explosive around the rim, which is something which was foreign to Northwestern basketball during the Bill Tarmody era. They were running, running that Princeton offense, just working around, John Schurter style. Dave Sobolewski fit perfectly into that offense, so that will tell you. You don't need athletic ability to run that offense. Chris Collins wants to change that culture. And when you have guys like Lindsey, Law, Ash, Balzone, Lumpkin, you have a lot of athletes. And I think that's what's got the hype train running for Northwestern. Will it produce results? That's yet to be seen. I think that's what we'll find out this year and in the next coming years. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something, you know, we haven't spent a lot of time talking about and I guess isn't a season preview, so to speak. But, um, but yeah, Northwestern clearly trending up on the recruiting trail, at least if you buy into the, you know, the recruiting rankings, which I think overall are pretty accurate. But, um, yeah, clearly trending up. And um, I agree, you know, that's, that's, I think, what's injecting the excitement in Northwestern. Clearly, you know, in Collins' two years so far, um, haven't seen the results fans are hoping to see yet, but um, that definitely has to get people excited about, you know, where it could be in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And we haven't even mentioned, of course, right now we're previewing this upcoming season, but I haven't mentioned the 2016 commits. Right now Northwestern is ranked 25th in the country for the class of 2016, which is it's way too early. To, there's going to be so many more commits uh, all the way mm-hmm. up until April, May, or whenever the signing period ends. But right now, Northwestern has two guys that have been four stars at one point. Rapolis Ivanowskis, a small forward from the Chicago area. Another guy from the Chicago area, actually, Barrett Benson, who's going to be the heir to Alex Olai, six foot ten, two hundred forty pounds, and the best center in Illinois. So Chris Collins has continued to lock down uh, the recruiting in the Chicagoland area. He's also got a point guard from out in Washington. So it looks like this recruiting success isn't going to stop anytime soon. Yeah, and it, it's going to be interesting. I mean, uh, um, obviously, you know, again, it's it, there's ratings. We don't know exactly how it's all going to shake out. But, I mean, if you're an, landing these good classes and these good recruits year after year after year, I mean, at some point they're going to become juniors and seniors. And I, I think people are going to start to see that, um, you know, whether – Collins will develop and coaching up, you know, we have to see, but um, clearly the talent at least appears to be there. <laughs> um, Bill Carmody yeah. wasn't landing four-star recruits or top 100 mm-hmm. guys. So yeah, Collins yeah, has it, definitely changed that recruiting culture. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, you know, they've gone from competing with, you know, sort of the regional ones to competing with legitimate big programs. And, uh, you know, that's, for a program that's never made the NCAA tournament, you know, that has to speak volumes, I would think. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I guess uh, jumping back to this year, uh, before we get too off track, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, why, don't we, why don't we take a little bit to talk about the schedule? Um, I don't want to spend too much time talking about the Big Ten schedule because it's, it's pretty predictable. Everybody kind of knows you're going to play everyone at least once, a couple teams twice. But um, Northwestern has a uh, let's let, let's say not that great uh, non-conference slate. Um, first they put off, together another cakewalk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. First off, I, I guess I was going to ask, is that accurate? And then second, um, how do you think that's going to factor into a potential NIT slash NCAA run this year? Well, that's the thing. I know Chris Collins is probably. I think this year he's thinking NIT realistically. We're hearing NCAA tournament on and on again, but that means they're going to have to win at least nine, ten, maybe eleven conference games, and that seems a little bit out of the reach. I think seven, eight is reasonable. But as far as that non-con goes, you know they're playing UMass, Lowell, Fairfield, Columbia, New Orleans, Chicago State, Mississippi Valley State again, Sacred Heart. Loyola, and it's not even Loyola from Illinois, it's Loyola, Maryland. They're playing a lot of soft teams, a lot of cupcakes. Like, these really should be gimme wins. The sad thing is last year, they were not gimme wins. And if they're not going to win those games, they're going to be dead as far as postseason goes. Yeah, I'm trying to uh... – okay, here, here, here's what it was. I, I wanted to pull this up. Uh, fans, an accurate perspective on the schedule – um, going off of last year's Ken Palm ratings, which overall I think Ken Palm's a pretty good gauge of how good a team is. 
Um, mm -hmm. This schedule has uh, – now, this may have changed with the – what is it? The tournament, the CBA Hall of Fame Classic. So I guess exclude that for now, but um, no guaranteed games against a team that finished in the top 150, 10 games against teams that finished 200th or worse, and five games against teams that finished 300th or worse. Um, clearly not murderer's row, uh, to say the least. Um, yeah, and, and you know, it's, you know, you have to be kind of mixed because at one point, you know, you know Northwestern, they're still trying to trend up. And, um, you know, I, I spend a lot of time talking about scheduling because I think it's one of the most underrated aspects of running a program. And um, I'm not a proponent of scheduling, you know, we'll just say Kentucky and Duke, you know, 12 times in your non-conference schedule. But there's also the other end of it where you're scheduling teams that realistically, the only way that people remember the game is if you lose. <laughs> I mean, exactly. they have – yeah, they have, what, five, six, maybe more than that of games where if they win, they're going to get no boost because the team is that bad. And if they lose, it's going to be a massive hit to their RPI. It's going to be a massive uh, hit to the team morale, the fan perspective. Um, I mean, in, in RPI, uh, let's see, the average RPI of their non-conference opponents is 250. And this is going off of last year's uh, RPI, obviously. Um, it's just, to me, you're setting yourself up, you know, they're going to have a nice record most likely because a lot of these teams, they should just blow up. I mean, I'd be shocked if they did not but, um, you know, it's, it's not going to add anything. And I think it's gonna, you're risking a lot if you do lose and get, catch a team on a bad night. But, um, there are, there are a couple interesting games though. So I guess, uh, uh, do you want to take a second to talk about, um, you know, what are the good games? <laughs> so, yeah, I think there may be four games out there where, where we can talk about it, maybe being a game that you can expect to be somewhat close. One of those games that kind of teeters on the edge of actually being in that group would be at DePaul, and DePaul's not even <laughs> that good. That'll be December 19th uh, down at DePaul. They also did not get help from the Big Ten ACC Challenge in getting tough opponents. They're playing Virginia Tech on the road on the first day of December. Maybe Joey Benzegrin goes down there and lights up the <laughs> scoreboard, but you're getting another softie about as soft as it's going to get in the ACC. I think the two games that we can call legitimate are the two that they'll play in the CBE Hall of Fame Classic, as you mentioned. The first game will be Monday, November 23rd against North Carolina. North Carolina is good at, is good at basketball, as we know. <laughs> um, and then Missouri and Kansas State are the other two teams in that tournament. So they'll play one of the two, depending on who wins and who loses there. And I think it's good to see them in a legit tournament because last year they played in the Cancun Challenge, which consisted of Northwestern, Virginia Tech, Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa turned out to be pretty good, but still, it's Northern Iowa. And then you also had Miami of Ohio, which really is probably the weakest tournament you're going to find out there, or holiday tournament. So now they're going to get some legit competition at least for one week in late November. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, and th and that's why I did want to put that asterisk, just because I wasn't sure if they were guaranteed for that North Carolina game yet. Um, I probably was, but I just forgot. But, um, but yeah, at least the Kansas State-Missouri game, because uh, most likely, realistically, I mean, North Carolina is perceived as kind of a preseason top-five team. So most likely that's going to be a loss, but you get a chance to upset them. And then Kansas State, Missouri, that's definitely a winnable game. Neither of those programs have been, you know, top five, top ten. So I mean, uh, you know, there's a shot for a a solid win, at least one, uh, in on conference play. Um, and and one other thing I just wanted to briefly note before we move on from the schedule is that, uh, I, and I'm interested to get your perspective uh, on Northwestern fans. Um, are Northwestern fans at all annoyed that they have? really no good home games in non-conference play because, uh, you know, the CBA uh, Hall of Fame Classic, I believe that uh, – I forget where you said where that's going to be hosted, but it's not at home. And uh, – Kansas City, Missouri. Okay. There you go. Yeah, Kansas City. So clearly not, you know, in Illinois. And um, Virginia Tech's on the road, and DePaul is, I guess, quote-unquote, on the road. But um, are Northwestern fans annoyed with that at all, the fact that they don't have a marquee home game? 
Well, I don't know if Northwestern fans are paying enough attention to be annoyed yet for basketball <laughs> season, um, especially with the football team ranked in 2-0 and and headed to Duke this weekend for a big matchup. <laughs> People are riding that train. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't think I can call them annoyed. If there's anything they're annoyed about is the students constantly complain about, oh, they play the home game right before we get back for winter quarter, and this year it's going to be against Maryland on Saturday, January 2nd. Last two years mm-hmm. it was a game against Wisconsin at home in late December before students got uh, back to campus for winter quarter. So that's the only complaints I'm hearing. As far as the student media talking about the schedule, again, they're saying it's soft, and I think there's a general consensus that this is a strategy to get to the NIT, just rack up enough wins to go above 500 and get a chance to go to the postseason and get this young squad more experience. All right, yeah. Yeah, I was just curious about that because I know – uh, at least, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a Michigan uh, grad, a Michigan fan, and, uh, you know, some of the Wolverines were kind of annoyed that we didn't have a lot of great non-con games at home this year. But, um, so, yeah, I was interested to hear hear about that. But I guess mm-hmm. moving on to the, uh, the stake of the podcast, as I've been calling it, uh, the preview and prediction. Um, so have at it. Uh, where do you see Northwestern kind of factoring out, and where do you see them factoring out in this year's Big Ten? Oh, boy. I didn't put my thoughts to this until this morning when I remember a podcast coming up this afternoon. Um, but I think we have a pretty good idea. Again, you have a lot of cupcakes and then non-cons, so they should come away with at least 10, if not 11 or 12 wins, I believe. Uh, if you look at UMass, Lowell, Fairfield, Columbia, New Orleans, yeah, they should rack up at least 10, 11 non-con wins. And then I think they pull out seven or eight if they're lucky in the Big Ten schedule. Maybe they're stuck at six again this year. But I think they just barely peak above 500, get 17, 18 wins, go to the NIT, and they get more experience. What's disappointing, I think, about that for Chris Collins and for this program is this team's going to look a lot different this year than it will any year looking forward because Alex Ola will be gone, Joey Van Zegren will be gone, Trey Dempsey will be gone, and I think the style of this team is really going to adjust. Chris Collins finally going to start that fast break, uh, up-tempo offense that he wants to implement next year. Not this season because you have Ola, you still have a base that came from Bill Carmody's era. So I think there's potential for this team to try to make an NCAA tournament run if they surprise some people in the Big Ten schedule, especially with the experience they have coming back. And then you have a a graduate transfer, too. So I think there's a chance they rack up 20-21 wins and make the NCAA. But more likely, I'd set it at 18 wins. That would be the mark I'd set right now. Yeah, I'm I'm on a pretty similar page, I would say. Um, You know, clearly non-con – it's hard. It's hard to see them losing more than three games. It's just. It's very difficult uh, to see that, which already gets them to kind of the ten win mark or so. Um, and in the Big Ten, um, you know, I talked a little bit about this in the the Rutgers preview, but it's a. Uh, I think the Big Ten is uh, not necessarily. I don't know if it's going to be quite strong as it was a couple years ago, but it looked the top segment looks very, very good. I mean, I, like Athlon Sports did their season preview, and they had like six teams ranked from the Big Ten. Um, you know, that probably won't prove to be accurate, but still, to have that many teams in that top 25, top 30 range, you know, beating those teams is going to be incredibly difficult. Um, so I think uh, it's going to be tough. You know, even if they improve, their win total might not show as much just because uh, instead of paying um, – you know, a, a bubble Indiana team, it'll be a Indiana team in the top 10 or something, you know? Um, so I, that'll be interesting to kind of see how that shakes out. Um, but for me, Northwestern's going to kind of be around the nine, 10, 11 ish in the big 10, um, which does sound super exciting, but um, <laughs> I, <laughs> but I mean, we have to remind ourselves there's 14 teams now sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I guess I guess that's something to throw out there as well. You know, there are I do I do think there's going to be a handful of teams behind them. Um, on my last breakdown, I'm tenth behind Illinois and ahead of Minnesota. I do think I am going to flip Northwestern Illinois now, considering 
kind of the the craziness that happened in Illinois this summer. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I I just have trouble seeing them, you know, moving ahead of Ohio State or Michigan or Iowa, or Purdue, you know, those types of teams. Um, I I think they're starting to come around, but um, I do have some questions about you know. You know, I, I think I'm interested to see how much McIntosh will improve. I think Ola is already good, but that wing group, um, I think, will be good. I'm just not sure how good it will be. Um, and to talk a little bit about your, uh, you know, the upside, you know, potential, um, I, I do think, you know, if things do go right, you know, Belzone comes in, he's really good. Law takes the freshman to sophomore jump. McIntosh takes the freshman to sophomore jump. Trey Demps is, uh, you know, kind of how he played late in the year. And Alex Ola does kind of maintains what he was. Um, yeah, I mean, this team could crack into that upper group of the Big Ten and uh, make the make the NCAA tournament. But more likely, you know, if this the season occurred 100 times, I think more likely than not, you know, most of the time they're going to end up in kind of that uh, 9, 10, 11-ish group. Um, yeah, I I just ran through oh, the Big Ten schedule for them, and I think I'd set their over/under for conference wins maybe seven and a half or so for the season, eighteen and a half maybe, because they have eleven games that seem very winnable in non-conference schedule. So, would twenty twenty-one wins surprise me this season? No, it really wouldn't. Uh, twenty-three or twenty-four would, but if they got into the twenties, that wouldn't surprise me. It also wouldn't surprise me if the season after they dip down to 17 or 18 because they're going to lose a lot with Alex Ola and having a freshman take over and probably play 25 minutes at the center position. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that'll definitely be an an interesting thing. You know, you're losing so much from the front court. Um, But, yeah, overall, overall, though, I think this is a – Definitely, you know, go back to last year's preview that we did. You know, we you talked about for a second. Um, you know, it, it's much less talking about potential and talking about, you know, proven commodities, um, which I think has to be exciting. Um, I still think uh, this team is probably a year or two away from really being in that, uh, you know, contender category. But um, I do think it will be a better team than it was last year. I think they will win more games, certainly. Um, I'm just – I'm not quite – that it's going to be the NCAA tournament appearance or the the top half Big Ten um, appearance, but um, but yeah, any 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 final thoughts here on Northwestern before we uh, let you go? Um, I just have one memory from last year's preview. Actually, I remember I think it was Jeremy <laughs> Michael Haynes saying uh, after we were talking about Northwestern being in a rebuilding period, he said, "Well, it's more of just a building period." And uh, <laughs> That's the truth for Northwestern still, I think, because they're coming off to six win, six conference win seasons and game or seasons where they've gone below 500 overall. So I think this is the year where they can finally crack that and say that's not going to be Northwestern anymore. That's over. Chris Collins can be legit. He can turn this into a team that's going to the postseason every year, whether it's the NIT or the NCAA tournament. You know that actually that actually did prompt me to. I had one more question that I did want to ask. I, I don't want to get too off track in the the wrap up of the podcast <laughs> here. Um, no, no worries. But uh, but yeah, I, I think there's a there's three or four coaches in the Big Ten that are just. Um, I don't want to say they're on the hot seat at all because I don't think Chris Collins is on the hot seat at all. But I think our <laughs> they look like they have potential, but um, are still pretty unproven. And I think Collins is in that category. Um, how important do you think this season is for Collins? I don't think this season is all that important. So, first of all, he got an extension um, this summer. And it caught some people off guard because, what, he had gone under 500 for back-to-back years. Sure, his recruiting had been great. But, you know, what you know what he had done is he had put butts in the seat and he got Northwestern fans excited about Northwestern basketball again. That was something we hadn't seen since Carmody was winning 20 games with John Scherna. Because when Carmody was mediocre at Northwestern, the hype still wasn't there. That's been the case with Chris Collins the entire time. He's been at the helm in Evanston. So I don't think this year is all that important. I think it's the next two, three seasons. Because then he has all the guys that he's recruited, several four-stars that he's brought in, 
and the expectations are there. Then he's finally got to produce, and if he doesn't, then maybe that ex- that extension is going to run out sooner than we thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm kind of on a similar wavelength. Um, I definitely, again, I don't want to say I'm saying Collins is on the hot seat at all because I don't, I don't think he's on the hot seat. Um, I, I think Northwestern fans need to see some progress this year. Um, and again, not to say, oh, you know, if they don't improve, get them out or something. But uh, I think they need. To, I think I think you need to see some, you know, momentum going forward just to keep up that recruiting. I know um, that 2016 class, uh, really talented class, will be probably there regardless. But um, I think people are going to be looking for some progress. But yeah, I agree. I think uh, you know the 2016-17 season and the the one after that is when you're start, start gonna you know, really going to start to look for the player development and the the wins on the court. Mm-hmm. And there's so much potential this season. I don't think there's any way this could end in a train wreck for Chris Collins this 2015-2016 season. But if he turns it into the year that Northwestern cracks the NCAA tournament, it's going to pay <laughs> so many dividends in recruiting because you already look at the guys, especially from the Chicagoland area, that are choosing to come to Northwestern over other schools in the Big Ten they're going to start getting their friends to come too. And Northwestern could end up being a hot spot for guys from Chicago that want to play college basketball on a top level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows, you know, how talented, you know, Chicago is uh, for school basketball. And I mean, if Northwestern can get kind of on a roll and tap into that, I mean, it is a, uh, it's an exciting thought for Northwestern fans. I, I definitely would agree there, but um Jason, uh, thank, thanks for joining us. Um, it should be an interesting season for Northwestern. Um, and uh, we'll look forward to having you, uh, I guess, next year, maybe sometime this year, to chat more <laughs> about Northwestern. <laughs> thanks I again. got one more year at school, so, yeah, I look forward to it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so that, that was uh, um, Jason uh, Doro. He uh, writes for Inside NU which is uh, Northwestern's basketball uh, site, or not Northwestern's, SB Nation's Northwestern site. Um, <laughs> have to get out, that out there uh, properly. But, um, yeah, again, should be an interesting season for Northwestern. I kind of see them in that ninth to 11th-ish range. Um, it's going to be tough to crack the top group, but a lot of potential and a, certainly a lot more proven than they have in years past. But, uh um, yeah, I guess that, that wraps us here today. I'm Thomas Bendit. You can check me out on Twitter uh, at T-Bendit, T-B-E-I-N-D-I-T. Um, we'll have a, a lot of coverage uh, for the Big Ten coming up here in the next month or so. Um, and we are going to continue our podcast series. Uh, again, we're going to try to get Nebraska next, but um, we'll see how the scheduling <laughs> works out with our guests. But uh, thanks again, and we'll, we'll see you next time.